says. I'm reading from the NASB version. It came about on one of those days that he and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended upon them. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to him, woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And verse 26 says, And they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, I just ask, Lord, that you'll help me get through this uh, message well and preach your message, Lord, without um, being hindered, Lord, without speaking out of turn. Or using my flesh, Lord, but just what you want proclaimed here today, your word, God. I pray that you'll make this clear and um, that not only will we be able to understand what your word says, Lord, but we'll also be able to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. For those listening at home, this is Luke 8, 22 through 25. So the other day, I uh, was on line doing something I forget, but I heard this uh, story about a little girl and her dad. You guys ready? It was on an online video. The father was doing something like watching TV. He was watching sports, not paying very much attention. And his three-year-old daughter came up to him and said, Daddy, Daddy, when I turn four, will you take me to Disneyland? And you know how kids get obsessed with certain things. She was obsessed with Disneyland. And he was a little distracted. Obviously, he was, you know, watching his game. And he said, sure, baby, when you're four, we can go to Disneyland. So for him, he was sort of dismissive. But for her, when she got that into her head, it never left from that day forward. So she would tell all her friends when they would come over, when I'm four, daddy's going to take me to Disney. Daddy's going to take me to Disney. On my birthday, dad's going to take me to Disneyland. And she, would, she even had her clothes picked out. So, you know, she'd be getting ready for school, and she'd be like, see these clothes? These are the clothes I'm going to wear at Disneyland when I turn four. And so her dad knew. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. She knows, you know, I got that in her head. Now I got to really make sure to hold to that promise. Dad, when, I'm, when I turn four, can I wear this shirt to Disneyland? Said, of course you can. The father quickly realized he made a promise to his daughter without really thinking it through. <laughs> but the young girl was totally bent on the idea. Even though she didn't know anything about the finances in their dad's house. She didn't know anything about that particular day if Disneyland was even open. She didn't think or have any understanding of any of the circumstances about what was going on. She didn't consider the schedule or anything else. She didn't even have a concept of it. But none of it mattered. None of the circumstances mattered. Why? 
because she had the word from her father that she was going to go to Disneyland. And if her dad said it, it was as good as gold. Obviously, there's a few lessons we can pick up from that story. One of them is watch what you say to your kids. <laughs> the other is that this young girl had great faith in her father and in his word. Why do you think that is? It's because her father was good. Because her father made good on his promises. He was the one who took care of her. He is the one who took her everywhere. It didn't matter what the circumstances we were. were. She knew by the testimony of her father that it was going to happen. It may as well have been right there. Right then. She had no doubt in her whatsoever. And that's a lesson about faith and trust in a good promise-keeping father. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, in this story about Jesus... Wait, I think I got a, forgot my PowerPoints here. In this story about Jesus, there's a little girl and her dad at Disneyland. They end up going, it looks like. I don't know if that's really that. I actually just stole that off Google. But I figured it would help the story. Now, this story about Jesus is recorded in two other gospel accounts. It's both in Matthew and it's in Mark. And each of them adds a little bit more detail, but the story is essentially the same. And for your reference, if you guys want to look them up later for your studying, um, it's in Mark 4 and in Matthew 8. But we start off with Jesus, who is probably super tired from preaching and doing his ministry, and he orders his disciples to pull up a boat. He intends to set sail and head away from Capernaum to the other side of the lake. Now, some people measured this. And the normal trajectory of this trip should take about two hours. Mark tells us that it was evening. So, it's the end of the day, Jesus is tired. Hey, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. So they load up, and they go sail. And Jesus, being tired, takes a little nappy. How many of you guys need a little nap right now? I need a long one. One of the other accounts, I don't remember which one, says Jesus fell asleep on like a cushion they had in the bottom of the boat. So, Jesus is sleeping, and somewhere on the trip, in these two hours, a storm whips up and starts throwing waves over the side of the boat so that water was in the boat. Now, this was a serious storm. The boat looked like it was in danger and sinking. Not only is that recorded, but you get this idea from the disciples. So, remember... At least four disciples had what as a job? They were fishermen. You guys remember, Peter was a fisherman, and Andrew, James, and John. And the scripture tells us that they were afraid for their lives. <laughs> so if, if you're on a boat with professional boat people, and they're terrified, you've got to know something's wrong. That's like when the... When the airplane captain starts freaking out, that's when it's time to freak out. You know, if the airplane captain is smooth, you're good to go. Did you guys see the Southwest Airline engine blew this week? Yes. Terrible story. A, a, a poor woman died. But if, if you guys ever listen to the audio of that, listen to that captain, by the way, who's a really strong Christian. Listen to her voice. She is cool as a cucumber. She is cool. She's like, we have one injured. We're coming in. 
you know, if she had one engine left on the thing, I'd be, I'd be just screaming. I'd got the parachute and jumped off already. <laughs> but she's just smooth sailing. The captain was cool. She was okay with it. She knew, probably she had great faith in God, she was going to land that plane, even though one person didn't make it. And she saved all those people's lives. Well, Peter and James and Andrew and John were freaking out because this boat was in a storm. So you know that this was a serious storm. It was not a joke. They weren't being um, premature about their worries. They were definitely scared. So finally they decided to wake up Jesus, freaking out. And one account says, they said, don't you care that we're perishing? <laughs> we're going to die! You know, that's Probably what, it, probably what it sounded like when they woke Jesus up. We're all going to die. You know, and Jesus gets up, you know, in messianic fashion and says, calm. And the storm, wind, and the water stop. Silence. And then something funny happens. Jesus, after he gets done rebuking the storm and the waves, he rebukes the disciples who were scared. And he says, where is your faith? Mark records him saying this, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It took me a while to find a picture that I think looked like the actual storm. <coughs> Excuse me, because either the boats were too small in the picture or the waves were too small. But this is probably what it looked like, something like that. Pretty scary. It's dark out. Jesus turns around and says, where is your faith? Why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? So this brings up some questions that I want you guys to think about. Whenever you guys read scripture, you should be thinking of questions. Why does it say this? <coughs> Why is Jesus saying this now? What, what happened here? Because sometimes the Bible doesn't tell you the exact Excuse me. The exact answer. It implies it. You gotta figure it out. Dia's gonna have to pause. Excuse me for one second. So why is Jesus rebuking these disciples? Doesn't it seem rational that they would be afraid in this situation? Doesn't that seem normal? That they would be afraid. They're about to sink the boat. There's water on the boat. That's not a good thing. If the water's on the boat, the water's supposed to be under the boat. Did they have no faith? I mean, they asked him to help, and he did. Remember what we talk about with Jesus? He says, come to me, you who are weary. <coughs> You'll find rest. <clears throat> he wants to help us. He wants us to love him. He wants us to rely on him. <clears throat> so when they're in a bad situation, why is it? That when they come to him, he rebukes them. Think about it. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Didn't they do the right thing by getting Jesus? Think about it. If they're in trouble, aren't you supposed to go to Jesus? So why does it rebuke them? <clears throat> they, they had no faith. Well, they knew that Jesus was going to help them. That's why they woke him up. So they had some kind of faith. Thank you. 
Ah, see, you're ahead of me on the sermon, Carol. Good. No, that's good. That's why we ask the questions. It's because it gets you to think about it. But the secret to understanding this scripture is found in the beginning of the story. <clears throat> why Jesus considered their lack of faith. Go back to verse 22. I'll bring it up in Swahili for you guys up here on the screen. Go back to verse 22. What's Jesus say? He says, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Let's go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. That's what Jesus said. Guys, Jesus weren't no dude off the street who said, let's go to the other side of the lake. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus said it. Who are you going to trust? If Jesus says something, guess what? I'm believing that. If he says we're going to the other side of the lake, I believe that we're going to the other side of the lake. It's not that in a big storm you don't get scared or in some crazy circumstance you don't freak out. Things are scary all the time, but the problem here is that Jesus said they were going to do something, and he said something was going to happen, and our disciple friends here allowed the circumstances to cast doubt on the word of Jesus. And this seems to happen a lot in boats, as Carol mentioned earlier. <clears throat> you remember when Peter saw Jesus walk on water and got inspired and asked Jesus to come out on the water himself, and Jesus said, come. And then Peter began to walk on the water with him. You guys remember that story? However, <clears throat> when he saw the waves, he got worried and began to doubt and thus began to sink. Lower and lower. And Jesus actually had to pull him up out of the water and save him, bring him back on the boat. <clears throat> Funny thing was, Peter didn't even have to get out. <laughs> he wanted to. And then he doubted. Same thing in this situation, except there wasn't even that kind of hint of faith. They didn't even like, the only hint of faith they had was that they knew Jesus somehow could save them. These guys... <clears throat> Forgot about that altogether. But the point is this, and this is what I want you guys to realize. God's word is reliable above all else. I'm going to say that again. God's word is reliable above all else. In fact, it's really foolish to put your faith in anything else because you have zero guarantees in life. Listen, folks, <clears throat> young people, I want you to listen to this too. You have zero guarantees in life. Zero. You might think, I'm young, I'm beautiful, I'm handsome. You might be the only one that thinks that. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with confidence. But you don't have any guarantee that you're even going to wake up tomorrow. You don't even know if the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Now, it has every day that we've been alive so far, but you don't know that that sucker's not going to explode. And it looks to me like it's going to blow up. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. 
you have faith that it won't, I hope. Let me share a scripture with you. It's uh, Luke 21.33. It's up here. It says, read along with me. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So what are you going to put your faith on? You're going to put your faith on this flying rock of dirt with some water and air on it? Or are you going to put your faith on God? The God who created it. On God's word. So what the disciples should have said was, wait, wait, wait. Didn't Jesus say we're going to go to the other side of the lake? Is that not what Jesus said? Then not even this storm can stop us. That's what they should have said. But instead they were like, But those waves, guys, are big. Those are big waves, and the wind is scary, and you're on such a little junky boat. How in the world will you survive? I imagine that Peter and Andrew and James and John probably saw a few of their friends drowned, fishing in accidents, things like that. They were thinking of that. Maybe they were terrified. They were big waves. It was a big storm. But what we need to do in the big storms in our life and in the big difficult situations in our life where it looks grim, where it looks scary, where it looks like there's nothing we can do, can you control the waves? Can you control the wind? Can you control the storm? No, it's going to happen. But what we should be doing is putting our faith in the word of God. And God's promises. Faith is securing your mind and heart on God's word, even through scary circumstances. I'm going to say that again. Faith is securing your mind and heart on God's word, even through scary circumstances. Did Jesus say your sins are forgiven? Did he say it's finished? Is that what the Bible says? Does the Bible say there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? Then why do we walk around feeling like we're condemned? It's because we're not believing God's word. (laughs) Did Jesus say that God is going to care for you and provide everything for you if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? He said that, right? Sermon on the Mount. Then why are we still putting materials and worldliness above God? Did Jesus say that if you keep his commandments, your joy will be complete? I remember he said that in John. Well, you better start keeping them commandments if you want to be joyful. Because guess what? Everything else leads to a dead end. Put your faith in the word of God. Did Jesus say he's coming back to judge the living and the dead? Get the picture? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm convinced of something. I've been thinking about this the last six months, maybe less or so. This is what I've been thinking about. One of the things I've been thinking about theologically. One of the main root problems in our culture and on earth today is that people in general do not fear God. Everybody say fear God. I know I didn't fear God when I was younger. I had literally no understanding 
What does that mean? It means that people don't respect God. They don't understand his power. They don't understand his authority. If they did, this would be a different kind of world. It's a couple scriptures that I could throw out. There's some on the screen. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't care about God. I didn't care about really anything but myself until I figured out that God exists. When I figured out God exists, I got terrified because I knew that if God exists, then hell exists, and that's where I'm going because I was a bad kid in my heart. The fear, and that was the beginning of knowledge. I didn't even know the gospel yet. I got the gospel later, and then I got saved. Thank you, Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's Matthew 10, 28. I'm also reading a history book of Christianity. The first 300, 400 years of Christianity, the Christians, you could not say you were a Christian in public without, in Rome without getting arrested and being killed. It wasn't like you just go to jail. They would kill you. It was terrible. Christians had to be sneaky. <laughs> and sometimes they weren't sneaky. If you got arrested, man, that was it. And people were like, hey, if I die a martyr, that means that was God's will for me to glorify God in that way. And that was it. They didn't really get let go. Psalm 33, 8 says this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, some people would argue this. You guys, saying fear of the Lord's kind of weird because we don't use that word fear that way a lot, right? In our culture. Some people would argue, at least it's argued back when I was younger. Oh, don't fear God. He wants to be your friend. You've heard that, right? Like, not fear as in, like, you're scared of them, but, like, fear as in, like, you know, your friend, you fear your friend. He wants to be close to you. Well, that's actually true. God does want to be close to you, and he does want to be in a relationship with you. But you can't be in a relationship with God unless you fear him. Psalm 25, 14 says this. The friend, underline this in your Bibles. The friendship of the Lord, some versions say the secret of God. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. That's the ESV version. <clears throat> the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. <clears throat> I'm convinced, I'm convinced that if we really conceived of who God is, then we would really respect and love him if we really feared him. Like a king who has ultimate power. A king. Imagine a king walks into this room. A king. Like powerful, got the crown on. Has all authority. He could kill you. He could say, Chop off his head, and they will chop off your head. No one says anything. That's what they do. <laughs> That's his authority and power. But 
that king actually really likes you. <laughs> You're like, oh man, I'm really glad this guy likes me because he's very powerful. That's what it's like. That's what it's like. So yeah, he's big and huge and there's no way you could really understand God or wrap your dinky little brain around him. But we do know that he loves us and he's making a way for us through Jesus Christ because he sent Jesus to explain that. Thank you, God. Then, if we really feared God, if we had that kind of relationship with him where he was the king that was super powerful and could throw us in hell and could destroy our lives, but chooses to love us despite what we deserve, if we really had that mentality about our King Jesus and about God, then our respect for God would be greater than our respect for the circumstances in our life. Does that make sense? Your life circumstances might say one thing, but if the king says something else, you're going to go with the king. Because he's got everything, he controls everything, he has the authority and the power. Here's something funny I want to leave you with because we're just about done here. <coughs> so, Ban, feel free to come up in a second here. <coughs> when Jesus woke up, think about this. I want you guys to think about this. Last thing. When Jesus woke up, he saw the disciples were scared and terrified. He wasn't scared. He knew himself. He said to that storm, Shut up! And the storm was like, whoop! The waves were like, whoop! As soon as he said it, whoosh, or as Junior would say, whoosh, whoosh. As soon as he stole, told that storm to shut up, that's what it did. And those waves, he said, be calm, and they were calm. You know what's funny? The storm and the waves respected God's word more than the disciples. Or else the disciples would have known that when Jesus said they were going across the lake, it was going to happen no matter what. And then they would have been calm and still in the storm instead of, ah! Now is about our discipleship. And our goal as Christians is to fear God and put our faith in his word like the storm and the waves did. Then you can imagine yourself as a little girl whose father told her she was going to go to Disneyland. She didn't care about any of the circumstances. She didn't care that they were poor or that they'd never been or that it's far away. She was rock solid in her faith in her father. Why? Because she knew her father and she feared him and she trusted his word. Does that make sense to you guys? This is my encouragement to you guys this week. Live outside of the circumstances of your life and live in God's word. Amen? I'm quite sick today, so I'm not going to be able to pray for anybody because you don't want to get my illness. You guys can pray for me. If you guys have prayer requests, put them on a communication card. We'll pray for them on Thursday. Next week is going to be our last week in this building. 
Let's live this week with the assurance of God's word. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for an opportunity to trust you, to believe your word. I pray, Lord God, that you will help us to follow you and believe you in all circumstances, God, even when it's hard. Lord, I know that um, there's a lot going on with a lot of people. But I know another thing, God, that you love us and that you have a plan for us, Lord, and you've given us many promises. So I pray for everybody in our church, those who are here, those who are not here, that you help us to trust you, God. You help us to fear you. You help us to respect you and have faith in your word. I pray that faith rises up in everybody here, anyone that's suffering, anybody that has been dealing with hard situations and doubt. You help us to rely on your promises, to seek those promises out. Trust you fully. Thank you for Jesus, your son on the cross, who was an answer to all those promises that were promised before. Promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Promises to Israel. Promises to David and Solomon, to the prophets. You answered all those prayers through your son. Prayers of countless people who needed forgiveness and wanted to know you, God. And my prayers too. So I thank you, God, for that. I pray for uh, anyone this morning that needs to know you in a deeper way. Lord, you'll open that up to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and sing to the Lord as we.